Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? Welcome to another Everyday Life series on decoding how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership. Biblical principles from Genesis to Revelation. It's under our Everyday Life category. 
You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. In our first series of decoding, we looked at decoding creation, God's thought processes and patterns through creation from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And we arrived at a 10 principle combination that will revolutionize how you think. In this next series of decoding, we'll look at how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership through the life and story of Joseph, also from the book of Genesis. Joseph's life changed the course of Israel. It was through him that God preserved the nation of Israel. Israel wasn't yet a nation per se. It was just a family of 12 siblings. The letter grew into the nation of Israel in Egypt. Some of the life principles we'll cover in this decoding series are our upbringing and past shouldn't define us. Knowing your purpose and calling is the best anchor to go through the storms of life. In life, we need favor and love with both God and man. There are no coincidences in life. God's justice system never fails. We'll also look at work and service, money, and how the economy of Egypt was built from the ground up. We'll also look at investing, saving, leadership, and management. Without further ado, welcome to Decoding Joseph. Welcome back to episode nine of Decoding Joseph. We are getting some unique insights into how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership through the life story of this character 
named Joseph from the Bible. There are about 11 key life principles to decode from the story of Joseph. And we are still on principle category number one, which is our upbringing and past shouldn't define us. And we've decoded this as the character attitude Joseph must have had to overcome his background. Basically to overcome a past of betrayal, rejection, denial, and most of this from his own family. In our last episode, we were talking about the power of embracing new beginnings, identities, new mindsets for new ideas, and hitting the restart button. Hitting the restart button or reset button in our lives. We talked about putting off the old man of disappointments, of heart, of failure, of rejection, and putting on the new man as scripture emphasize or emphasizes. We read some passages of scripture that really hit this on the net, that really uh, hit this on the head. So let's quickly recap some of the scriptures and pick up on how embracing a new spiritual identity gives us access to a new physiological identity. What we're saying is for us to reap the benefits physiologically, physically, we have to first activate the switch spiritually in our minds. The first call to action is being intentional about it in our minds. And then it starts to trickle down into the physical realm, into our bodies. So we'll be looking at some examples of that. But I really, I wanted to just quickly recap some of those scriptures because they're very powerful. The first one was from Luke chapter 5, verses 36 to 38, where Jesus was using this parable and he was saying, no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will bust the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. And the point here was he was trying to put across was you can't put new ideas or strategies or new possibilities in an old mindset, in an old identity of failure, rejection, condemnation. It just can't work. And then also we say to move forward like Joseph did you and defy the odds of our upbringing, our past. This must be our character attitude. This attitude of new wine into new wineskins. And then also we talked about pressing forward and letting go of our past as an instruction from scripture. From Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16, the Apostle Paul talks about letting go of our past. Letting go of your past. Not just your heart, your trauma, 
But he also talks about letting go of your past victories. That we should let go of those things which are behind and press on. And it says, it says, this is what it says. This is Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. He says, verse, verse 12, he says, Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, that bears repeating. I do not count myself to have apprehended, basically to have achieved everything that I've reached the apex of my life. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on to say, "Let Therefore, let us, as many as mature, have this mind, this mindset of forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead of us. And he goes on to even say, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Now, again, we saw this again in Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 to 14, which talks about, but now you yourselves are to put off all of these things. Put off anger, put off wrath, put off malice, put off blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie one to another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. You've put off the old character. And you've put on the new man. You've put on this new character, this new mindset, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, the image of God who created the new man. Then it goes on to say in verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, which is also translated as patience and endurance. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Again, we're talking about putting on this new identity, the, putting on this mi new mindset of a new day, new possibilities, and being intentional about it. And when 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 the scripture is almost using is, is not the scripture is is talking about is using verbs, that is action words of mindset. Put off, put on, put off, put on, put off, put on, and I said. The switch has to be activated in your mind. You have to be intentional about it. And then we also talked about another example, this, the famous story of he without sin cast the first stone when they brought the woman who was committing adultery to Jesus and said she should be stoned according to the law of Moses. And he said he was no sin, cast the first stone. They all left. She was left alone. And Jesus said to her, woman, where are thou? Where are those accusers of yours? She said, no one, Lord. And he said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And the point here we said is he pointed her to a new future. He gave her a new beginning and told her to step into her, her new identity. So 
that's where we're picking up from. So in a spiritual sense, I have a new identity. But I also have a new identity in a physiological sense. The day is new and there is, when you wake up in the morning, it's a new day and there's a reset of sorts that happens. Let's, let's, let's really pull back the curtains on this. We feel that when we just wake up, you see, in a spiritual sense, it's a mindset. But you can map, you can map what's really happening in the spiritual sense sometimes or what's happening in the physiological sense. So when you wake up in the morning, right when you wake up, you feel very different. How we feel when we wake up. There, I don't know about you, but I've, I've, I, I, I always pick up on this. The moment you wake up, there's, there's a beauty and serenity and peace and innocence that we have before the memory of yesterday rushes in. It's almost like when you wake up, those first few moments are always very precious. They're always very tender. They're always very um, uncorrupted. You wake up and part of you just is like, okay, it's a new day until the memory of yesterday rushes in you know it's almost like this it's almost like the enemy you know now some people might say oh the energy the negative energy but you know i know where this comes from it's almost like this spirit satan is always waiting just to crush your hope for the new day so the moment you wake up there's always a spirit assigned to just kind of rush in and just bring the sour taste of yesterday. But it's not just that. It's even if you had a great day yesterday and you wake up in the morning, it, it also comes in. So, but before the memory of yesterday rushes in, there's always a beauty and innocence that we feel when we just wake up. We, we, we always feel like, okay, you just woke up and you just stepped into a new world, right? So this is saying, there, there, there's this saying about being in Christ. The scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So scripture keeps on emphasizing this attitude that, hey, you are in Christ. This is from 2 Corinthians 5.17. says, hey, you are in Christ. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things about you have become new. So when we are in Christ Jesus, it gives us a new identity. And that's what scripture talks about there. So I should accept it and embrace it. You should accept it and embrace it. 
because even God looks at you in your new identity. That's what it means to become born again. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, he hands you a new identity. That doesn't say that it's a new identity that allows you to walk away from condemnation. Yeah, trust me, these people who are handed new identities in Christ that are on death row. Now, this is a very delicate, touchy subject. I don't even know if I, I want to go there because I, I hadn't prepared for it. But you do hear of people who have been given, let's say, 20 years in in prison, 30 years, and somehow they encounter Jesus in there and they become a new creature. They, 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 they acquire a new character. But of course, there's a consequence of the things that they have done, but that's in this world. They, they will receive Yeah. Should I go there? Okay. This is, you see, this is the problem between, no, the difference between God's kingdom, it's not a problem. This is the difference between God's righteous or God's judgment system and the world's judgment system. You see, God says, even when we were yet sinners, he loved us. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, God, what is mercy? You see, someone had to pay for our sins. It's not like we got off scot-free. No, 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 no. Someone paid for them. Jesus paid for them. Picture it like this. Grace, um, there's a scripture that says, your mercy triumphs over judgment. Basically, God has the right to judge everyone and give them the punishment of falling short of his glory but because of his mercy he decides not to impute our sins on us but it's not it's almost like the god's judgment system two things come together judgment and mercy which is called grace grace is unmerited mercy is 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 the good Grace is the good you get that you don't deserve. Mercy is saying, I, I should give you a ticket for over speeding. You broke the law and I should give you a ticket for over speeding, but I won't. Mercy chooses to say, go, go and sin no more. That's what mercy, that's what mercy says. Go and sin no more. 
So think about it this way. And and some religions really they they this and I don't think Christianity is a religion, it's a relationship. Some people do religion and that's why they mess the whole thing up. But okay. Some religions have this thing where the gods of their religion, you have to live through this life keeping a ledger of your good deeds. And somehow, if your good deeds, if you're fortunate enough and you have enough good deeds that outweigh your bad deeds, you end up in their paradise. That's not how it works with God, the true living God of the Bible, the God of the Bible. That's who I'm talking about. Think about it this way. This is the illustration of Christianity, of Christ Jesus, and the redemption we have through him. Basically, you committed a crime, and you should pay a fine for it. Ten of you, you're in jail. I mean, you, you're in court. The judge says you, you're guilty as charged. All of you have to pay $1,000 fine. Someone walks into the courtroom off the street and says, Your Honor, I choose to pay for all these men and women. Put it on me. Ten of you, the fines were $1,000 each. It's ten grand. Puts down a, puts down a check of $10,000 and he basically buys your penalty. You see, the, the judge cannot start saying, no, you yourself, you have to pay for it. No, 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 no. The penalty is, is basically the amount, the fine. The fine has to be paid. Someone has to pay the fine. Of course, you're the one who's held accountable to pay it. But the judge is not going to say, if someone walks in off the street and says, I'm going to pay for this fine, the judge is not going to say, no, you still have to pay the fine. That's what happened with us. Jesus walked into the courtroom when we were standing in front of God, the Father, ready to be judged. And Jesus said, I will pay for their sins. So he paid a price. So in the eyes of God, he looks at you in your new identity. When you accept the payment that Jesus did, you can start to embrace your new identity and you don't have to walk in condemnation. So the moment I make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, I have access to this new identity that I am not the same old Calvin. The old Calvin and all his failures and shortcomings have died. They have passed away. That past is buried. It's, 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 it's not a part of me anymore. These, I step into this new identity my new identity is now what Christ says about me. And that's what I should walk after. 
this is how this whole thing of embracing a new identity and a new mindset works is you say, okay, I'm not going to consider the things I've done in the past because attaching myself to my past failures, shortcomings keeps me hooked onto them. I still carry them around. They still linger around. That's why the scripture in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So this should be my daily reminder every day when I wake up. I'm a new creature. And when those old ugly thoughts about what I did come back to me, to haunt me, I just say to them, that was the old Calvin. This is the new Calvin. And the new Calvin today is embracing and proudly wearing his new identity in Christ. So the moment I wake up in the morning, I should be intentional about recognizing that today is a new day. Yesterday is gone and I can't change it. I can only change today. Today I'm a new man. Today I have another brand new opportunity to do things better. I can't afford to and I shouldn't bring the old me from yesterday into today. There's a scripture in, in Ecclesiastes that says, little foxes spoil the vine. Actually, it's in Song of Solomon, Songs of Solomon. It says, little foxes spoil the vine. So, if I bring the old mindset or experiences of yesterday into today, this little fox of not forgetting about my failures or shortcomings in the past, it keeps on spoiling your vine of today. And if the devil tries to condemn you, which, I, which, I, which a lot of people deal with, a lot of people deal with this mental guilt, they might want to let go, but they keep feeling like they owe it to the people or to those situations where they came short. That there is a payment, so to, so, so to say, that they still have to pay back. A lot of people walk around with this condemnation, this mental guilt that, oh, I wasn't good enough, or I, I disappointed so-and-so, I have to pay them back. No. You, a lot of people, you still walk around still feeling responsible for what you did and you won't let go because somehow you still feel like you should make up for it somewhere. That, it, that if you just decide to forget about it and not feel this burden of responsibility to pay back, that that doesn't make you a changed person. No, that's not what Jesus says. That's where we let God make up for us. That's where this whole thing of let go and let God do to that person good on your behalf comes in. God knows how to pay back people in kind. You know, the moment I repent about it, I let go of the shame, the guilt and condemnation. And I proudly start to wear my new identity in Christ because he in fact tells me 
that I shouldn't feel guilty about it through a very powerful scripture from, from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And I like this. I love these other translations. This one from the NLT says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the living, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Wow. It says, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. In essence, to apply that to what we're talking about, that's basically saying the power of embracing a new day, new identity, new opportunity, um, a new you, it frees you from the power of condemnation, which will lead to death in, in just different areas. You won't be able, it will lead to death in any new relationship. If you if you're trying to get into a new relationship and you still have condemnation from the old one, you start to bring those leaks of your old mindset of, or maybe the things you did wrong in that former relationship into the new one. And it just contaminates this potential new relationship. You start to bring this attitude of how you failed or just didn't do your best work at that old job into this new job. And it just starts to kill your focus. It starts to bring you down. You become self-destructing. So do you see, do you, do you see what I mean? Um, it's very powerful. This whole concept of letting go of the past and not letting it define you. Letting go of the past and not letting it define you. The reason I can let go of the past and not feel guilty about any wrongdoing or shame or condemnation is that Jesus Christ has now, has now supplanted that for me. By taking on his identity as my new identity, all the nasty stuff of my past, he now deals with it. I basically hand it to him. That's why in scripture it talks about um, once you accept the payment of Jesus for your life, he says you cannot walk according to your old self because someone has bought you. You now walk according to his identity, how he says you should walk how he says you should love others, how he says you should act, how he says you should respond, how he says you should react even when bad things happen to you. You can't walk around in your old identity because someone has bought you with a price. So I can walk around as a new man and should walk around as a new man because I'm in Christ Jesus and for as long as I walk in him, I don't have to feel guilty. I'm free, baby. I'm free. I'm free. 
So start to embrace the new identity. So Christ Jesus hands me a new identity card. He says, you're awesome. He says, the world, let's look at an extreme case of people who are on death row. You see, God understands that when someone commits a crime like that, that person is being influenced by the devil. You see, the reasons why people say, well, how can a murderer make it into heaven? Um, by the way, heaven is going to have a lot of bad people according to earth standards. And hell is going to have a lot of good people according to earth standards. Because with God, he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, if you never murdered anyone, but you're a liar, you're a manipulator in this world, you've still fallen short of the glory of God. Because lying falls below the glory of God. So, you might look at yourself, you might look at someone else who's committed murder, and for you who has never committed murder, but you've walked, maybe you've walked around manipulating people, um, selling, using false scales, you know, selling propaganda on social media, retreating propaganda, uh, backbiting on people, being a a gossiper, you know, all this, what, what we like to call petty, petty thief, you know, but that according to God, God has only one standard. He's righteous standard. It's called the, the, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So to God, whether someone has committed murder, whether someone has just stolen, all of them have fallen short of the gold standard and all of them need deliverance. Now, for you, you might think that you don't need God, that your good works will get you into heaven. And someone else who, yes, the world has slapped death row on him. Uh, he's on death row and he could even be executed. But I'll tell you what, if the person who is on death row accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as his savior, God wipes away his slate. God gives him a new identity. And it's this new identity in Christ Jesus that will get this person into heaven versus someone else who is self-righteous, who thinks, oh, I was good on this earth. I only committed uh, fornication or maybe I only lied. That person mattered. That person did this. Anyways, this is, this is really for like another kind of segment, but I'm just trying to, to really show you, I don't have to feel guilty about where I came up short in my past. I'm free. I have a new identity. Christ has redeemed me from my past. In him, I have a new identity. I am awesome. So tomorrow when I wake up, I have to do this again. I have to embrace 
the new man. Because scripture also says we die daily. It talks about that the outward man perishes and that outward man perishes daily. And what this means is that every day when I wake up physically and emotionally and mentally, I should have this intention or recognition or awareness of newness in all of these areas of my life. And one of the ways we can even illustrate this is using sleep. You know, sleep is one of God's greatest creations. Sleep is a reset button for our spirit, souls, and bodies. Sleep is a reset for our spirit, souls, and bodies. That's why every morning it feels like you have to crank up all your gears and senses and everything within you because it really is a new beginning. But I don't think as human beings we have really caught on to this. People wake up with yesterday's identity and mindset and thoughts and torture and the trauma from their past, from, from yesterday. And right when they wake up, they go back into yesterday's unfinished script, unfinished business. One of the things I'm learning to do every night is before I close my eyes, and I don't do this every night, but I try to do it every night. I like to close my eyes. I try to thoughtfully close the day and basically say to myself, this day is done and I will never see it again. Every shortcoming from today stays in today. Every missed opportunity today stays in today. Tomorrow is a brand new day for new beginnings, new experiences. In my mind, as I'm going to bed, I like to say bye-bye today, see you never. You basically close the chapter of that day. And in fact, sometimes I think about this. You know, people who work out will probably, will probably relate to this. If you work out on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you, you know, on Thursday, there's something about when you work out in three days in a row is that by day number four, you're like, man, am I still going to have anything in the tank? But every time I tune my mindset to say, okay, yes, I worked out yesterday. So what? Today's a new day. I have new strength. I have a new ambition. I'm still going to work out. Something happens where instead of feeling the fatigue from yesterday's workout is I, I my body flips the switch and taps into the energy reserves that God has for me today. And it's powerful. But if I think, if I start to mentally think, oh man, I walked out on Monday, I walked out on Tuesday, I walked out on Wednesday, that's three days in a row. Will I be able to work out five days in a row? Will I be able to get to Friday's workout? Will I be able to get Saturday's workout? But every time I wake up and say, today's a new day. I'm going to go work out or I'm going to go on a run. I'm going to go do some exercising because today needs its own exercising. 
there's enough energy that God's stored up for me today, and I've got to I gotta take advantage of it. It that's when I feel a rush of new energy coming to my body. But it starts with the mind, it starts with the spiritual awareness. So this is a very powerful trick to apply. When you wake up, try not to think about yesterday. Spend a few minutes just thinking that, wow, everything that has happened to you in the past, up to until yesterday, is just a database of knowledge to conquer today. That bears repeating. I want to challenge you that when you wake up, try not to think about yesterday or at least think of it this way. Spend a few minutes just thinking that, wow, everything that has happened to you in the past, all the way up until yesterday, is just a database of knowledge to conquer today. And then if something comes up today, a situation that looks familiar to led to to a situation that looks familiar to let's say yesterday's situation, you use yesterday's undesired outcome to change what action you will apply today. You don't use yesterday's undesired outcome to tell you that you can't try a different action today. No, 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 no. You use yesterday's undesired outcome to change what action you will apply today. I do this thing where I, 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 I do this thing where I, I try known to have bad or unproductive back-to-back -back days. I, I don't, I don't, I don't allow it. I don't, I don't. If you have bad back-to-back-to-back, -to -back -to -back, <laughs> that's three in a row, back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back days, it just means there is something you are ignoring. So that's what I'm saying is that you have to, Everything that has happened in your life up to yesterday is just a database of knowledge that equips you to conquer today. But some people, this database is almost like, for them, it tells them, you don't have any hope today. Just give up. Just throw in the towel. You didn't get it done yesterday. You couldn't do it yesterday. What makes you think you can do it today? I look at it as a database of knowledge. So if you have bad three days in a row, back to back to back days, it means there's something you are ignoring. But I am able to achieve not having back to back bad days by taking feedback from the day, looking into my database after yesterday. I assess how I handled the day. I take what needs to be done better as feedback and I look to apply it to the next day. That's all I take from yesterday. 
Ah, that's all I take from yesterday. I don't carry the failure forward with me. At least my mindset have, has changed. Uh, this, this is, these are also things that I'm also applying. I haven't perfected them, but I'm applying them. I try not to carry regret. I don't carry any regret. I don't carry shame. I don't carry guilt. I don't carry condemnation. I don't. And sometimes the enemy, Satan, the devil himself, the father of lies, the scripture says, will want you to keep remembering your failures from yesterday. He wants to disarm you today. So, you know, how do you have a victorious week? You know, how do you have a victorious week? You need to have a victorious every day. To have a victorious week, you need to focus. You know, you don't start on, for you to have had to look back on, on, on Saturday or Friday and say, oh, wow, this was a great week. That means you needed, you put in succession, you know, victorious Monday, victorious Tuesday, victorious Wednesday, or at least you had more days of victory than defeat. But it came from everyday intentionality. Jesus said something very powerful in the Sermon on the Mount from the Gospel of Matthew. He said, which of you by worrying can add a cubit to his stature or a second to his life? He says, if you're worrying about yesterday, he said, don't worry. And he also said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough of its problems. So he's telling you not to worry about your past. He's telling you not to worry about your future. He's telling you to stay in the moment. So best believe that if Jesus is telling you not to worry about tomorrow, then without a doubt, he doesn't want you worrying about yesterday because he's already told you old things are passed away. Yesterday and all his shortcomings have gone. So don't carry yesterday into today and definitely don't bring tomorrow into today. Live yesterday, live tomorrow, deal with today. That's why the scripture says, Today is the day of salvation, meaning let's deal with today. Today, 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 today. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Your victory next week lies in the hands of today. I mean, your victory this week lies in the hands of today. There's no point of us worrying about tomorrow, next week, yesterday. No, 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 no. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day we make a turnaround. Today is when we kickstart our plan of victory. It's all about today. Winning today sets up a better tomorrow. This bears repeating.
when you win today, you set up a better tomorrow. And we can only win today by focusing on today and definitely not carrying over yesterday's failures into today. Okay, so this story has already taught us so much about how God thinks. This story of Joseph has already taught us so much about how God thinks and how we can apply these principles to everyday living, our workplaces and so forth. And there's something else that, wow. Once again, this would be like a cliffhanger because the next thing that I would like to talk about really is another kind of worms. <laughs> so I'm going to call it wraps for this episode. And we'll pick up from here in the next episode. But I just want you to remember, if there's one thing to take away from this episode is this. Scripture says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Meaning, let's deal with today. Focus on today. Your victory this week lies in the hands of today. There's no point in worrying about tomorrow, next week. Today is the day of salvation. Today is when you can kickstart your plan of victory. It's all about today. Winning today sets up a better tomorrow. Winning today sets up a better tomorrow. And you can only win today by focusing on today and definitely not carrying over yesterday's failures into today. Sell up. This was episode 9 of Decoding How God Thinks About Work, Money, Business, Investing, and Leadership Through the Life and Story of Joseph from the Book of Genesis. In the next episode, we'll continue exploring the subject of the power of our new identity in Christ Jesus. And as the Apostle Paul exhorts us in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 15, to have this mindset of, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. In Luke chapter 5, verses 36 to 38, Jesus said, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. He was re-emphasizing that we must put on a new mindset to reap the benefits of our new identity in Christ. And we also have to have this mindset that each day presents new possibilities and new opportunities. However, to tap into this newness and momentum, we must forget yesterday, focus on today, and not worry about tomorrow. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.
Feel the glory, I feel it all on me. I'm gonna make the winning shot like Kobe. Hands up. 